Hi, welcome to the analysis.news. In a few seconds, I'll be back with Bob Poland. We're going to continue our conversation, this time focusing on the great achievements of COP27. And of course, I'm saying that with as much uh, ridicule, is that the word, sarcasm? I don't know. Anyway, be back in just a few seconds with Bob Poland. Please don't forget the donate button at the top of the webpage. So a few days ago, COP27 in Egypt came to a conclusion, and it did not come to much resolution on the issue of actually how to reduce carbon emission. Now joining us is Bob Poland. He's the co-chair of the Perry Institute in Amherst, Massachusetts, associated with the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. Thanks for joining us again, Bob. Really happy to be on. Thank you, Paul. So what the hell is in these people's heads? You have the leaders of the world. You have, I don't know how many millions and millions of dollars were spent organizing, attending this conference. But the elites of the world seem to have come to a conclusion. Yeah, we'll put a little bit of money to some of the countries that are going to get destroyed and flooded sooner than later or torched by droughts. Um, but... We are not going to do anything seriously that will prevent the world passing 1.5 degrees warming within less than a decade, meaning we are on the road to 2 degrees warming, I don't know, certainly by 2050, and the way things are going, it could be sooner than that. And given all the tipping points, uh, I just saw this documentary of nine critical tipping points, any one of which triggers the other tipping points. Uh, this could come well before 2050 that we're really out of control here, like meaning we're headed towards three degrees, even four degrees. And right now, people after this interview, go, go on Google and look for a heat map, what the world looks like at four degrees. And, and I'm living in Toronto right now. If I had three hours north, uh, we might be able to grow mangoes in a while, except there probably won't be much water to do it with. Um, at any rate... Bob, what the hell is in these people's heads? This is like, it's like they've decided we'll mitigate it a bit, but we're not going to do what it takes to deal with it. Well, uh, you know, in fairness, the the people that are hold, that are blocking any progress are the oil-rich countries, um, and they simply will not tolerate any kind of even rhetoric, even words on paper that say we have to cut back on the consumption of fossil fuels, even though everybody knows fossil fuel, burning oil, coal, and natural gas to produce energy generates something like 75 to 80% of all greenhouse gases. So there are other factors causing climate change, but overwhelmingly, the number one cause is burning oil, coal, and natural gas to produce energy. Now, burning oil, coal, and natural gas to produce energy also generates massive profits for the people, the companies, public and private companies that own these assets, and they have no intention of relinquishing their profits. That's what's behind the whole thing. I know in the, the Canadian delegation to COP27 
if I, if I understood this article I was reading correctly, a fair number of the Canadian delegation were actually from the Canadian fossil fuel companies. <laughs> They're part of the formal de delegation. And I think that went right throughout the conference, that the, the fossil fuel industry was right involved in all of the discussions. Uh, so, you know, and their funding, how much of the, of the various leading governments are, are funded through either direct political contributions or otherwise. And I should, I, I think we should also add, this isn't like about quote unquote fossil fuel companies as such. If you look at who owns fossil fuel companies on the whole, you know, in the United States, but also elsewhere, it's the financial sector. It's Wall Street. Uh, I mean, if, if the financial sector wanted a change in, in this kind of policy, uh, you know, just the, the main asset management companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, a few of these others, they appoint, they are all, they are, they're the biggest investors in the fossil fuel companies, and they have votes that appoint much of the boards of these companies. You know, the finance sector could do something about it, but they don't either, and it's not like they don't get the nature of the danger. You have Larry Fink at BlackRock, goes on and on about how dangerous it is, but they don't, they don't do anything about it. Well, but let's let's keep in mind that ninety percent of uh, all fossil fuel assets are owned by public enterprises. So when we're talking about the Saudi state, we're talking about Russia, we're talking about Brazil, we're talking about Indonesia, we're talking about China. So it is yes, the the private assets. I mean, just like any other, uh, you know, publicly owned co corporations, they're controlled by their Wall Street investors. But the publicly owned companies are not. Uh, nevertheless, the publicly owned companies are behaving in the same way, equally as aggressive, uh, because they don't want to lose those revenues from uh, uh, producing oil, coal, and natural gas to produce energy. Uh, so that's really where we are, and that's what I mean. That's why you know it's gotten to the point where these these meetings are a joke. Because you know these countries have veto power over any final document, and they're going to veto anything uh, that says we have to contract fossil fuel consumption. Now they they have an answer. Uh, it's it's disingenuous, but they have an answer. They say, "Oh yes, we are just as concerned as everybody else about climate change," and the answer is to uh, introduce so-called carbon capture technology. Carbon capture technology in principle is a way through which you still burn oil, coal, and natural gas, but you have these machinery that literally captures the carbon before it enters the atmosphere and buries it underground uh, permanently. So the fact is that technology uh, has never been proven at, at commercial scale. Uh, much less worldwide commercial scale. Uh, nevertheless, that's the answer that they're giving. Uh, let's keep maintaining our fossil fuel production, consumption, but let's use carbon capture technology to uh, address climate, the climate crisis. What I don't understand, and, and as much as I, you know, in the last interview we did, I said Dan Ellsberg, calls nuclear war, nuclear weapons policy in the United States and other countries, uh, institutional madness, and, and the climate 
policy in the U.S. and other countries is another form of institutional madness. And as much as I get how profit drives that madness, because it's not like there's not a logic to it. The logic is let's make as much money as we can today and the hell with tomorrow. I can't understand how they can't just at least agree to plant a gazillion trees. Like, I think it's clear that it's not enough just to plant a gazillion trees. You've got to regulate off fossil fuel and, and into sustainable energy. But even if you did that, you still have to get more carbon out of the air. And the s simplest, natural, safest way to do it is plant a gazillion trees, which is another way also to create jobs and whatever. But they, they don't even have an international agreement on, on that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so Lula getting elected in Brazil as president, it was a major step forward in terms of carbon capture through trees because Lula is committed to protecting the Amazon, whereas his opponent, Bolsonaro, was uh, committed to chopping down all the trees in the Amazon and destroying the, the capacity of trees to absorb carbon. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, planting the trees is, a, is a, a really valuable measure, but it only gets us about 10% of where we need to go. If we don't do, if we don't stop burning fossil fuels, um, we can plant a gazillion trees and we'll still have a climate crisis. Yeah, I, I no doubt about that. But I just, I'm just saying, given that would be something relatively easy. They don't even agree on that, even though I, 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 there's no question that is not enough, but it, it's something. It would even be good on the PR side. Look, we've had a global agreement to plant trees. They don't even do that because I guess somehow that's acknowledging the problem if you do that, and they don't even really want to acknowledge the problem. Well, that's where we are. Um, but again, I think, you know, just what I read coming out of the conference is that they want to say, burn fossil fuels and let's develop carbon capture technology. And so that we can keep burning fossil fuels indefinitely, you know, forever into the future. Um, and let's, let's just say that, okay, you know what, in 50 years, maybe that can be a viable solution, maybe in 50 years, but we know that we have to be at zero emissions in, by 2050. And so there's no way in which a carbon capture program is going to be adequate to doing anything about the magnitude of the crisis now. So they're, they're just playing with, you know, they're playing with rhetoric. As it is, carbon capture technology, uh, as I understand it, and talking to a lot of uh, energy engineers, really has no hope of being effective. Number one, because uh, this of uh, the storage issue, literally, you're going to store the world's carbon underground forever, uh, and we are going to assume no leaks, and we're going to assume that it's going to keep we're going to keep finding these crevices underground in order to store. None of this stuff has been worked out at all, and so it's no solution. And anyone who has you know minimal knowledge on these issues has to know that's true. Nevertheless, I mean, just the story I was reading this morning, that's what they say. Car, you know, burn fossil fuels, but advance carbon capture.
it still permeates the policy of the Democratic Party and the Biden administration, even though this last bill was better than, you know, anything before it in terms of, you know, putting money into some transition. It's still permeated with carbon capture oh, as, it's as in, their it's underlying in the, policy. Money for the inflation reduction in the Inflation Reduction Act. Carbon capture is a major uh, target for support. Uh, it's not the only one, but it is big in that bill, the one that just passed some months ago. And people watching this are saying, okay, and, and uh, this is also depressing, uh, but there is something people can do about it, I would say. And, uh, you know, when it comes to primarying candidates in the Democratic Party, but even in the Republican Party, there's no reason not to go there, too, and take this conversation there. There's lots of polling that shows there's a significant, maybe as much as 20 percent or more, of people that identify as conservative Republicans who do consider the climate crisis a serious, urgent issue. Uh, don't vote for anybody that doesn't put climate front and center of their election campaign, even this last campaign. You, you hardly heard this, and, and I don't understand it. Why weren't the Dems making an issue of don't elect climate science deniers? There's a, tons of polling that would actually work for them. Yeah, and you know, you could also make other arguments in, in Republican states, in the Great Plains states, the Dakotas, Nebraska, Here's a good argument. You know, let's build up our renewable energy sector and and put solar uh, panels and wind turbines on farms. Uh, and you can do it without reducing agricultural productivity, but it generates an extra source of income for the farmers. So let's subsidize that and let's help our farmers. And so that's taking money away from the fossil fuel companies and putting it in the hands of farmers. And as it happens, there's more uh, electricity being generated from wind turbines in Republican Great Plains states than anywhere else in the country right now. You know, I'm, people watch analysis know I'm living in Toronto now, although I lived in, in the U.S. for quite a few years. But we had an, an election here recently, and I happened to be in a district where the Conservative Party can't elect in, in the riding I'm in. Uh, so, but there's a competition between uh, a Green Party candidate, an NDP candidate, uh, a Liberal Party, who all claim to have a concern about climate. And they came to the door, and they'd come to talk to me. And I, I, I'd say, I only care about one thing. Tell me your climate policy. Oh, we care about green, and we want to do this. Said, okay, yeah, but what exactly is it you support? What is the policy? And there isn't, not a one of them gave really a concrete measures for what the Ontario government could do. And, and the Ontario government has a lot of power, but provinces can do a lot. None, nobody had a concrete, so I told all of them, well, I'm, I'm not going to vote for any of you. And, and finally, I picked one, because I picked one that actually had a little better climate platform. I think people should just stop, at least at the primary level, when you're in, you know, if you're not in a swing state, you know, you don't vote for anybody that doesn't have a climate plan, a serious climate plan. And, and, you know, there's books like the one Bob's done with Noam Chomsky. There's others that lay out what a real program looks like. And if this, your candidates aren't espousing that, then the hell with them. Don't, don't support them and make it clear. And, and don't let the Dems run on campaigns that don't feature climate policy. Fair enough. Sounds good. I agree. 
So what? Maybe you can. What other? There's your book. What other? What are other good resources? I know you've done a lot of work on just transition, which I think is a very important concept, especially when you're talking to people in fossil fuel states. Yeah. Well, I mean, just transition. Uh, really, the way I've uh, written about it, researched it, is really about addressing the fact that if we are going to contract the fossil fuel industry down to zero, which we have to. Um, there will be workers and communities that will be hurt, not just the shareholders for the companies, but the workers and communities. So we have to address that by creating alternative job opportunities for workers, making sure their pensions are protected, giving them support as needed with respect to any kind of retraining or um, relocation. So those are the key features, and you know, in some of the studies that I've done, I cost that out. It's really not that much, and the reason being is uh, there's not that many. If we look at coal, for example, there's only in the U.S. there's a total of 60,000 people employed in the entire coal industry in the United States. This is in a labor market of 164 million. So it's really actually quite easy to come up with a just transition for the workers, not just the miners, but all anyone who's employed in the industry. And then in terms of finding alternative employment opportunities and for the communities, well, let's think about investing the, the renewable energy in those communities. And one of the studies I did was for the state of West Virginia. It's the most coal dependent state in the United States. And what we tried to show, and I think we laid out fairly well, is that West Virginia would benefit hugely from starting their green transition right now. So go to, go to the, uh, the website for the Perry Institute. There's a, a lot of research there about what concrete plans look like for a, a just transition, for transitioning the economy. Uh, you can search lots of uh, NGOs and climate organizations have you know, bullet points of what should be done. Um, and, and simply make, you know, it, you know if, get organized, like get 10 people together, get 15 people together. Talk about how what, in whatever riding, congressional district, wherever you are, you're going to vote based on the, a climate criteria. No candidate's going to get your support without that. And, and I, I should say, that, again, the fight can be waged in the Republican Party, too. Uh, amongst, amongst evangelicals, there's pretty good evidence that maybe 20-25% of evangelical Christians think the climate crisis is a, a serious high priority. Uh, I don't understand the reluctance of the Democratic Party not to bring this to the fore, uh, other than the leadership, corporate leadership of the Democratic Party. Uh, is afraid of pissing off the fossil fuel companies, and, and they're going to put all their money into Republicans. But there's been certainly lots of places where, uh, you know, progressives are winning in various places, you know, using Green New Deal structures or rhetoric or language or some form of it. Uh, so anyway, that's my last rant. I give one last rant to you, Bob. <laughs> I share your rant. I, I, I just, you know, I've given, I've said this, I think, on a couple of times. I mean, we did a study for the state of California on a green transition and just transition for workers and communities. And that study was endorsed by over 20 unions in California, including the union that represents the oil refinery workers. 
So, you know, this was really a major breakthrough that the oil refinery workers are in California are enlightened and they are, you know, committed to a green transition as long as they are taken care of fairly. I had a similar experience uh, in doing the work in West Virginia that there was not hostility on the part of the miners union and uh, the overall union movement as long as there is a just transition, a serious just transition. So that has to be absolutely front and center integral to the overall Green New Deal. All right. Thanks for joining us again, Bob. Okay. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news. Please don't forget, when you're considering your year-end donations, keep us in mind. You go to the uh, webpage, the analysis.news. There's a donate button at the top of the page. Um, make sure you get on the email list. And if you're on the uh, either the all the various podcast platforms that we're on, or if you're at YouTube, uh, subscribe so you find out when we have new stories. Uh, thanks again for joining us on the analysis.news.